Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of honor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has gained renown by his wonderful deeds. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He is ever mindful of his covenant. He has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the heritage of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. At the end of last week's service, I said this, I will never preach a message of fear. Okay, so I take that back, because today I'm going to preach a message of fear. (laughs) Except probably not the kind of fear that some people think is appropriate for the preaching of the gospel. You see, here in Psalm 111, it talks about fear of the Lord. And fear of the Lord is the Hebrew word ye, ye ra, ye ra. But most of the time, when people are preaching a message of fear, and you know that there are a lot of Christians who preach a message of being afraid, that Hebrew word is pacha. Now, you know, Hebrew has that. <laughs> that none of us can do properly, but it's P-A-C-H-A-D, pachad. And that word really means sort of a being scared, of being uncertain of the future, of being afraid of what's going to happen in my life, of being afraid of, that I might die, of being afraid that I might be punished if I do the wrong thing. And lots of Christians have been raised on that kind of fear. God's going to get you if you don't watch out. Now listen, if I were to think about human sorts of situations, imagine that you know a couple of parents And these parents are raising kids, and one of the things that they do is they have a belt that they keep hanging on the wall. 
And lots of times when, oh no, no belt over there, no belt over here, but lots of times if the kids are acting up, mom and dad will go over to that belt. Threaten the kids with that belt. Do you like those parents and the way they're parenting? They're keeping the kids in line by keeping them afraid. Imagine that you have a boss at work, and your boss at work is always saying to you, well, listen, if you're not going to work overtime for free, I can find someone who will. And so you work overtime for free because you are afraid of losing your job. Or maybe you know a teacher, and the teacher is really able to keep those kids in line because the kids are afraid of that teacher. Now, I'm probably at this point, uh, I've got a whole bunch of people who are, are saying, hey, wait a minute, I don't like those parents. I don't like that boss. I don't like that teacher because it feels manipulative. It feels wrong when you are supposed to be helping people to live well and to grow well and to do well that you're using fear and threats as a tactic to keep them in line. As human beings, those of us in this space, we're not going to do that, I hope. And yet, we would accept people telling us that that's exactly what God does. Does God spend God's time scaring us into being obedient? Now, to me, there's something wrong with that kind of understanding that God, who is, we know to be a God of love, would, would work in a way as to all the time be threatening us. Something about that message doesn't ring true. Something about that message rings more manipulative of the human spirit, of human beings who want to control others, human beings who want to say, you know, uh, uh, look at them. I know I'm better than them. And God will punish them for who they are, but God's not going to punish me because I'm better. When we see the psalmist, the psalmist is telling us something very, very different. The psalmist here is using the word yirah, the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord isn't about being afraid. The fear of the Lord yirah is about awe. The fear of the Lord, Yerah, is about wonder and openness to God and amazement at all the ways that God has created this universe and God has created us. It's that expression that says, who am I? Who are we human beings that you are mindful of us, O God, in all your glory? And yet you are. You see, the psalmist is trying to show us that there are Ways that we can choose to live. We can choose to live in being afraid of everything that comes our way. And mostly that's because we or others are trying to control things. Or we can live in awe of a God who loves us. And in that awe, be open to trust in the living God and all the things that God has done, will do, and 
is doing right here and now for each and every one of us. You see that openness, that awe before the living God is truly the beginning of wisdom. Lots of us live in ways where we're afraid of things. I know that. Sometimes we're afraid of what's going to happen at work. Sometimes we're afraid of our uh, finances. Sometimes we're afraid of our bodies aging. Sometimes we're afraid of what's going to happen to our kids. Sometimes we're afraid of uh, surgeries. Sometimes we're afraid of, you know, am I ever going to get married? Sometimes we're afraid of what are our kids going to grow up to be and do. And yet, if we are living in the fear of the Lord, in awe of the Lord, we have confidence that God is at work for our good, that everything will be okay. This is fear of the Lord. It is why the psalmist can say, I will thank you with my whole heart. Remember uh, that for these ancient peoples, the heart is the seat of everything you are. You give your all, your whole to God. You know, when Linda was up here talking, she said, you know, when we get this awe, this this true fear of the Lord that we should be cultivating, that it's an ovation, it's, it's a standing like this. And I suspect that every one of us in here at one time or another has had that moment of awe before the living God. Um, lots of times when we're in nature, uh, we'll be hit with that. One of the pictures in uh, the, the scripture was from the James Webb Telescope. It was all the, the galaxies there. And on that, if you Google that, there's this tiny, tiny little red dot that is the most distant of all galaxies. And they actually say there's a Netflix documentary right now about that telescope. That little red dot is light from a galaxy 13 billion years old. 13 billion, I'm like, I don't, I don't, I mean, I get the physics of it, that the further light is, the longer it takes to reach our eyes, but that we have a telescope that can look back to the beginning of, of God's creation 13 billion years ago, it's just mind-blowing. That's awe. It says, you know what, I can't control this universe, no matter how much I think I'm in charge of my life. I remember a time when I spent a month in the Holy Land traveling uh, with a, a study group. And one night we spent in the Sinai Desert on our way to Mount Sinai and St. Catherine's Monastery. And you all know what happens when you get outside of the artificial light and suddenly there is this incredible, amazing canopy of stars, right? It's just you're like, wow, look at the stars. And there we were in the middle of the Sinai Desert around a campfire, and this shooting star went right across the sky. And I tell you, every one of us around that campfire stood up and said, did you see that? 
It was incredible. It was the very hand of the living God. It just reminds us who God is in this wonderful created world. And I know every one of us have had that kind of experience of awe. This is what uh, God is trying to evoke in us, is this, this incredible sense of who God is and the world God has created for us and the promises that God has made to us. You see, the psalmist is very clear. If we want this kind of awe and openness, there are two things that will help keep us day in and day out connected not to fear of being afraid, but rather to this kind of awe and wonder about the living God, openness to what God and the Spirit is doing. And the first thing the psalmist really says to us is remember who God is. The psalmist tells us that our God is merciful. The psalmist tells us that our God is just Our God will always do the right thing. Our God, says the psalmist, is a God who will never break the covenant. The covenant that says, I love you, you are my people, I am your God, I will be with you always. God is who God is. And the number one thing we know God to be is love. God will never be other than who God actually is. And God is a God of love. The second thing the psalmist tells us is, remember what God has done. Remember in the scripture of witnesses what God has done, the God who said to Abraham, I'm going to be your God, come on. The God who brought the people out of their uh, captivity in Egypt and said, come on, I'm going to get you out. You can't get out on your own, but I'm going to do it for you. The God who brought them through the wilderness, the God who gave them the promised land, the God who gave us Jesus Christ, who in his birth and life and death and resurrection pours out God's love into this world. The God who created the church as a laboratory of love, as a place where we can be together as one people and love and care for each other in a world that is often indifferent in trying to make us afraid. But each of us could write the next book in that story of God. How has God brought you through? How has God done in your life what no one could have done for you? What has God brought you out of or brought you through? Was there that time your heart was so broken you didn't know if you could live and you look back? And you see the way God was walking with you step by step, bringing you back into life. Or that time you lost your job and you didn't know what would come next. That time you faced the cancer diagnosis and you thought, I don't know what I'm going to do. And yet you know by the grace of God, God has brought you through. Who in here doesn't have a story of how God has done what no one or nothing else could have done? That God has brought you through. Because God loves you. 
God wants the best for you, and God is always working for our good. When we remember and take hold of what God has done for us in our lives, we can open ourselves again to say, my goodness, that was hard, but God is with me. And I know that God will be with me every day no matter what may come. That awe, that openness to God is the beginning of wisdom. It is how we live our lives as followers of Jesus Christ. There is nothing to be afraid of. The scriptures, including Jesus, tell us 365 times enough for every day. Do not be afraid. Be open to the living God. Give your heart, give your life to God. And the promises of God will be ours now and forever. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.